I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Five years ago today, a fire broke out in the early hours in a tower block in West London. Fire Brigade. Yeah, hello, hi, in the fire, flat 16 Greenfield Tower. So we have fire where? Uh, flat 16 Greenfield Tower. The fire brigade are on their way. The fire at Grenfell should have been contained on the floor where it started, but within minutes, it spread with such speed and ferocity that the entire block of flats was turned into a towering inferno. It became the deadliest residential fire in the UK since World War II. 72 people were killed. Beneath a still moon, a blaze of such ferocity, it is almost filmic. A vision as near to hell as could be imagined as the flames soar through 24 floors engulfing all in their path. Five years on, and a public inquiry is still trying to establish what went wrong that night. But the evidence it's heard has already exposed a housing scandal that could place many more lives at risk. 640,000 including many children, are still living in flats today that can burn at any moment, that are wrapped in flammable materials. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the Grenfell fire five years on. The cladding scandal. Yesterday, Martina Lees, the Sunday Times senior property writer, described the horror of the night the fire broke out for three different families. The Wahhabis from the ninth floor, who managed to escape. Their cousins on the 21st floor, who couldn't. And the Belcardis, who lived just below them. The Belcardi family on the 20th floor all died, except for their five-year-old daughter, who alone survived. She lost her mother, her father, 
her big sister Malak, who was eight, and her baby sister Lena, who was just six months. Lena was found still cradled in her mother's arms on the stairs next to Malak and her father. In the aftermath of the fire, protests erupted, calling for justice. And the then Prime Minister, Theresa May, announced a public inquiry, which began in September 2017. Almost five years later, it's still ongoing. We've had four years of the inquiry, more than 370 days of testimony, and more than 300,000 documents disclosed. And the hearings are due to conclude in July, and then we have to wait for the final report, which may take up to a year. That's how long it took to publish the report after the first phase. It is incredibly complex, the amount of detail and data and testimony to go through is just immense. And we would never know what we know now if it hadn't been for the inquiry. A report from the first phase of the inquiry, which was published in 2019, blamed the rapid spread of the fire on the cladding that surrounded the tower, which the inquiry found had not complied with building regulations. Before the fire brigade could even get into that kitchen, the fire was already going up the building. The fire sprinted up 19 floors in 14 minutes once it got out of that kitchen. And then it started spreading around the top of the building, around the architectural crown. What spread the fire, we now know, was what was outside the building, the cladding system. Today, we'll look at what the inquiry has learnt about the cladding, the scandals inside the companies who produced it, and whether the government should have known the risks. Ultimately, that fire would not have spread as fast as it did if it hadn't been for what was on the outside of the building. And what the inquiry has shown us now is that that happened because of corporate lies amid a system that the government had created which allowed this abuse to go on, about which officials were warned many times, and they did not stop it. And they should have known how dangerous that could be, because Grenfell wasn't the first time that cladding had catastrophically caused a fire to spread across a tower block. Around the world, there's been a series of fires with this type of cladding on buildings. In Australia, which triggered a cladding crisis there, in the Middle East and in France. Each of those buildings had been surrounded in cladding made of ACM, or aluminium composite material. But there were very few deaths, which is why it hadn't had quite the same fallout as Grenfell Tower. The night the fire happened, and the fire very quickly, rapidly spread up the building, that wasn't the first time those materials had been on fire. They had all been tested. What what had they found in testing? One of the most shocking things that has emerged from the inquiry is that the government tested the cladding type that ended up on Grenfell Tower 16 years before the disaster. 
It was part of a series of tests that I did in a laboratory in Watford on the outskirts of northwest London. How these tests work is you build a model wall that's about three stories tall mm. and then with the cladding and insulation on and then you set it on fire at the bottom and you see how quickly it burns and how hot it gets. That ACM cladding went up in a fireball. In three minutes, it failed the test. People who were there said they were shocked. But I think that is putting it mildly. If they found in these tests that this material was highly flammable, how on earth did it get past government regulations? What's really shocking is that that ACM cladding that went up in that fireball actually was legal to put on high-rise buildings. At the time, it met the standard, which is called Class Zero. That is a standard that only applied in Britain, which has less strict rules than Europe, for example. Class Zero, the British required standard, only tests how flammable the surface material that covers the cladding would be, but not the flammability of the cladding itself. It means that you can stick a non-flammable surface, that's maybe metal, on something that's basically solid petrol, call it Class Zero, and then stick it on a tall building. And it's legal. And that's okay. Yes. And that ACM had that classification, which clearly showed that the classification was seriously wrong. But no one flagged that. And they kept Class Zero until 2018, 18 months after the Grenfell fire, by which time it had been used to clear flammable materials for thousands of buildings. It's important to understand the context of that test at the time. The government was bringing in a new testing regime to check what's safe for tall buildings, and they were basically doing these tests to set the criteria for these new tests. So they weren't strictly testing the material. They were figuring out how to do these tests and what's a pass and what's a fail. But that test, that system that I put on that test rig, failed the set criteria at the time very, very quickly. And it was very clear that this material is so dangerous, it should never go up on any building. But they didn't ban it. They didn't ban ACM cladding. They could have at the time. They also should have realised that this cladding had met the legal standard, so therefore they should scrap that standard and tighten up the rules quite a lot. And they didn't do that. Three companies were involved in the cladding of Grenfell. Arconic, Celatex and Kingspan. It was Arconic who made the ACM cladding. It was a sandwich of highly flammable polyethylene plastic between two thin sheets of aluminium metal. Behind that were walls of insulation made by Celatex. That was made of uh, foam and the rest of the building had Kingspan K15 phenolic foam insulation, which was also flammable. Tell us about the companies involved here and and their their individual roles. So tell us about Kingspan to begin with. Kingspan was founded in Ireland in a pub backyard in 1965 by Eugene Murta. And it has grown into a global leader in the fight against climate change with its insulation products. Kingspan made the insulation that covered only a small part of Greenville Tower 
And Kingspan says he didn't know that he was on there because it was a last minute substitute. But its influence in this whole saga is much, much bigger than that. In 2005, Kingspan tested its cladding system with what became its flagship insulation product called K15. It built one of these same test rigs. Big wall. Big wall. And then it put the K15 on and it put some cement board cladding on top and then it set it on fire. And it passed. Kingspan used that test report to sell K15 for the next 15 years. But what's really important to understand is that when you pass a test like that, that certificate only approves the exact system that you tested. It means that cladding, that insulation of that thickness with the exact precise millimeter gap between Mm. and even down to the nails or fixings you put on the wall with. If you change any of the detailing, it doesn't comply anymore. Yeah. But what Kingspan did is that it kept selling K15 as generally safe for all sorts of different configurations based on that test report. What they also did then is they changed the formula for the insulation itself, changed the recipe. So it was different. They did another test with that new K15, which according to Kingspan's own internal report, erupted in a raging inferno and nearly set the laboratory roof on fire. Same laboratory where the government tests had taken place. But they didn't disclose this. They kept a secret from the market. And they kept selling K15 based on the test pass it had two years prior on a different formula. So having seen that it it went up like a raging inferno, they didn't change the recipe of of the insulation. They kept that, but they used an old fire safety regulation certificate saying it was fine. Yes. And they only withdrew that test report just before this became public knowledge at the Grenfell Inquiry. Kingspan says that it had subsequently done other tests that backs up its claims. and But all of those tests were done from 2014 onwards. But he kept using this test pass to sell its product. What do we now know about what they were saying to each other during this period? Thanks to the inquiry, a lot of shocking emails and WhatsApp conversations emerged. One of the worst ones was in uh, 2008, when Kingspan's technical manager, Philip Heath, wrote internally, commenting after a facade engineering company had challenged their product, saying, is this really safe? He said, they can go and fuck themselves if they are not careful, and we will sue the arse of them. Oh. He blamed it as a bit of frustration on a Friday in his testimony and said he was going through a tough time. Kingspan denies that this reflects their corporate culture, but the lawyers in the inquiry did say that this suggests that Kingspan knew very well what he was doing. There were also a very shocking WhatsApp conversation between two of the team members in the technical team around 2008. They were talking about uh, the Class Zero fire rating, which they had achieved for Kingspan K15. 
So now you have to understand that the insulation was made of a foam board, but it had a very thin foil surface. Mm. So now what they've done is they have tested only the very thin foil surface to get the classification, not the actual foam board. And Kingspan did this at least three times. Person A says, doesn't actually get class zero when we test the whole product, though. Laugh out loud. So they knew. They knew the rest of the product would be on fire. They did. And then his friend responds, what? We lied? Honest opinion now. Yeah. And later, all lies, mate. All we do is lie here. I mean, that's hugely revealing of the sort of culture that existed there. That is what the lawyers for the Grainful Survivors argued, yes. Kingspan denies this. They have apologised for what they call process shortcomings and said it had no role in Grenfell's refurbishment. And they blamed the fire spread on the cladding. That's incredible. And that, so that's Kingspan. And as you say, they deny having anything to do with what happened at Grenfell. Tell me about one of the other companies involved. Tell me about Celotex. Celotex is a British company based in Suffolk. They are owned by the French materials giant Sengobang. Silitex wanted to get a slice of the very lucrative high-rise market, which Kingspan has dominated with its K-15 insulation. So in 2012, they hired a young guy called Jonathan Roper, fresh out of university, and gave him the job to get their own competitive product to market for tall buildings. So what they did is I took an old product that they had and they rebranded it as RS5000. And then they got Roper to push it through testing. So what is this product? Is this more insulation or is this cladding? It is insulation. It is, again, it is a foam insulation board. It's uh, slightly more flammable than Kingspan's version. It is also more toxic when it burns. It releases hydrogen cyanide gas. And you would buy both if you were cladding a, a building? No. At Greenfell, they were going to insulate the whole building with the Celotex, but they ran out at one point and they just basically blocked the gap with some Uh Kingspan. So tell us, how did Celotex decide to compete in a market that Kingspan clearly dominated? Kingspan made K15, which is thermally quite efficient and it's quite thin for what it does. And that's why it became really popular. So it's made quite a lot of money out of it. And Silitex wanted some of the action. It was really shocking to me when I read the emails, how Roper set this out to his bosses. Roper, who was a very young new recruit just out of university, had worked out how Kingspan had found such a large market for its K-15 insulation. Basically, The paperwork was so complex that most of the industry hadn't understood that the insulation had passed safety tests, but only when it was used in one particular way. What happened then is, first I had to get their product through a test, and the system failed. So then they rigged the test. So what they did is they stuck some fire-resistant boards, different boards, near the top of the rig. Mm. And that basically stopped the flames in its tracks, according to the lawyers for the survivors. 
And that's how they got the test pass. But again, this test pass only applied to that exact system. So for it to be valid, you have to say, well, there was these magnesium oxide boards on the rig. And we'll always use those. You always have to use them. Yes. But they didn't disclose that. Oh. So there was no mention of these boards in the report. There's actually a photo of them in the report. But if you don't know what you're looking at, you wouldn't realize. Although a Celotex manager later did twig and she wrote WTF in the margin next to the picture in the test report. The first system they tested with it failed badly. And the fact that they had to reinforce the rig like that tells you something. Having rigged the test in order to pass, Celotex then needed their product to be certified by the regulators. And as it turned out, the person at the local authority building control, the LABC, who would need to certify it, didn't fully understand the rules. The inspector who signed it off had no experience of high-rise buildings. In his council area, there weren't even any tall buildings. They only got chosen to do the job because that's where Kingspan's offices were. So it was it just completely given to the wrong people? Well, LABC subsequently did change their certificate, but by that time, it was too late. Grenfell had already been decided. And what about Roper, the man who'd come up with this plan? He said... I um, recall going home that evening. Um, I still live with my parents at the time and, and mentioned that to them. Um, and I felt incredibly uncomfortable with what I was being asked to do. And he later resigned from Celotex because he thought he would have to lie for commercial gain again. I'm sorry for, for, for my part in it. It's, it's, it's something that I should have maybe, well, definitely expressed uh, more of a concern about. Both Kingspan and Celotex have denied any culpability in the Grenfell fire. Kingspan says that its insulation was on only a small part of the building and it didn't know it was there. It had no role in the design or construction of Grenfell Tower. It denies that the shocking emails and conversations that's emerged reflects their culture. Celitex said that it has subsequently retested a wall with its product and the results have backed up their original claims. They say that misleading statements did not impact the use of their product at Grenfell and they blamed everyone else, the designers, the builders, the council and Arconic for the tower's non-compliance. There's been a lot of buck passing in the scandal. Coming up, where does the buck stop? We'll have more on the cladding scandal that robbed 72 people of their lives. And we'll try to work out how it was allowed to happen. That's after a quick word from a colleague. Hi, I'm Oliver Wright, policy editor at The Times. My job is to try and explain what's going on in Westminster, what the government's doing, what the government's not doing, and why it matters to all of us. But we can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Hold up. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tell me a bit about the cladding and tell me a bit about the company Arconic. The cladding on Grenfell Tower was made by Arconic which is an American aluminium giant. Each French arm supplied the cladding, which is called Rainerbond 55PE, catchy name. Very. What it was, was something called aluminium composite material, ACM for short, which is basically a sandwich of highly flammable polyethylene plastic in the middle between two thin sheets of aluminium. So what happened with the cladding is when it got hot, the polyethylene plastic melted, it dripped, it spread sideways, and then it would kind of almost spontaneously go bust again and then spread the fire up and down and around the building. Wow. What we've learned through the Grenfell Inquiry is that all three of the companies who made the products that wrapped that tower have made misleading statements about how safe they are. Arconic basically used a certificate for a different product to sell that ACM cladding. How is that allowed? Does nobody check? Fire building regulations are so complex that a lot of the people in the industry don't understand them or didn't. And the manufacturers knew this and they used it to their advantage. So they understood very well what was allowed and what wasn't. And they knew how to operate in that framework. And with this company, with Arconic, how much do we now know from the inquiry about how much they knew at the time? Clearly, they were using a different certificate, so they must have known that their product was risky. Arconic's story starts in 2005 when it does two tests on its ACM cladding. So now you have to understand that this cladding came in two different formats. One had holes so you could bolt it onto the building and the other was called cassette which is what ended up on Grenfell which was folded so you could hang it from hidden rails. When Arconic had tested the two panels the cassette version burned 10 times faster than the bolt-on one. But Arconic never disclosed this to the market, the fact that the cassette had failed quite so badly. Fast forward to 2006, Arconic was eyeing the British market. They wanted to target flats, which I was saying, according to an internal memo, 50% of the market, exclamation mark. But for that, they needed a certificate 
for British use on tall buildings. So they decided to go to the BBA, which is the highly respected product certifier in Britain, to get their panels certified for the rules here, which are a bit different and less strict, actually, than in Europe. Arconic wanted to use that class zero rating, the one that only tests the flammability of the surface of the cladding and not the whole thing, in order to get their products certified. What Arconic did is it went to the BBA and it sent them the certificates from the 2005 tests on the riveted panels, not the cassette ones that burn so badly, and and another class zero certificate for a fire retardant version of the product, which is doesn't burn or burns much more slowly. And it got BBI to certify this panel generally as safe for tour blocks because it can be taken as class zero. In Britain, if people saw class zero, they just thought, okay, that means it's safe for tall buildings. So they just took the certificate at face value. That's not what they were selling to Grenfell. That certificate was based on a different product mm. test. It was not based on the test of the cassette panels, which ended up on Grenfell, in which was much more flammable. Now, Conic retested the cassettes twice more, and every time it failed really badly. And there are internal emails where they talk about this. In one of the subsequent failures, the senior technical manager emailed internally, oops, and he told colleagues to keep this failure very confidential, exclamation mark. So they knew what was going on. There were several warnings as well. Back in 2007, one of Arconic's marketing managers had written to colleagues and said that wrapping a big tower the size of Grenfell, mm. but he didn't know Grenfell at the time, in ACM added the fuel power of a 19,000 litre oil tanker. And then he pondered the manufacturer's responsibility if a block with this cladding is on fire and will kill 60 to 70 persons, quote. That's so prophetic. That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. He was trying to suggest the company shifts towards more fire retardant panels, which are safer, but they kept selling the highly flammable plastic core cladding here in Britain. The salesperson for Arconic in Britain didn't tell the team who were refurbishing Grenfell Tower that the fire safety rating of their ACM cladding had been downgraded in Europe. So she sent that BBA certificate, the one that was based on the wrong product, to the people signing off Grenfell Tower. And that's how it got onto the building. Did anyone from Arconic give evidence at the inquiry? The inquiry really wanted to hear from several Arconic employees. Uh, most of them refused to testify because they said that they would be prosecuted under a very obscure French law about testifying to a foreign tribunal. It had only been used once in 50 years or something like that to prosecute someone. One of them did come and testify, but not the guy who sent the incriminating emails. Uh, and the one who did come and testify presumably wasn't held up by the French authorities for breaking this law. No. He only testified as well after the Metropolitan Police got involved. Arconic's UK salesperson, Deborah French, who sent the BBI certificate to the Grenfell team, did testify, but she said... I don't recall what I remember in looking at that document at the time. I can't recall, or something along those lines. I don't, I don't recall. 
more than 250 times. I really don't recall the, the exact detail of where that, um, where that information came from. I counted them in the transcript. No, I don't recall I did. 250 times she just couldn't remember, couldn't remember the detail. Arconic says that its ACM cladding was capable of being used in a compliant manner. And at Grenfell, it was used by others in a wholly unsafe manner and in combination with other wholly inappropriate components. You told us about all the failures at Kingspan and all the failures at Celotex. Arconic, again, this is just gobsmacking. How was all of this allowed to happen, though? I mean, we keep coming back to this class zero. How much of this is down to the people who set the rules? How much of this is our regulatory system? How much is the government? What the inquiry has shown is that the government created an environment where this was just open for abuse and officials were warned and they didn't act to close the loopholes, including class zero which was very key to the salt scandal. One man called Brian Martin was in charge of the building fire regulation guidance at the housing ministry for 18 years by the time of the Grenfell fire. He wrote the rules. He had lots of warnings and he didn't act. And he acknowledged in his testimony that he could have stopped Grenfell Back in July 2014, Brian Martin had actually attended a meeting set up by industry experts who were concerned that confusion over the rules was allowing dangerous materials to be put onto buildings. But he left early and he didn't hear what they had to say about flammable ACM that's being put on tall buildings in Britain and also flammable insulation that was going up on tall buildings. He said that... The approach the government, the successive governments had to regulation had had an impact on the way we worked, um, the resources that we had available. Government budget cuts and deregulation under David Cameron and his own mindset, which he admitted had become entrenched. As a result of that, I ended up being the single point of failure in the department. Um, And I think that's why... When I missed that point, um, that's, that's why I think we failed to stop this happening. For that's something I'm bitterly sorry. Take us back to the morning after the fire. The tower is still burning. There's a lot of news coverage, there's cameras everywhere. You start to get government ministers coming out, being asked questions about this and having to talk about it. How did they respond? There was a lot of anger and shock right at the beginning. The narrative was that this rich council, the richest council in London, had refurbished this tower to make it look pretty, this tower that they had been renting flats to poor people and left them to die. This was the kind of story that played out in the media. And people were furious at the council, who also did a really bad job at rehousing people and supporting them in those key first days after they lost everything. Theresa May visited the scene very soon, but she only spoke to firefighters because of security fears. She was vilified for it. Mm. 
protesters stormed the town hall. There was a lot of anger and a lot of pressure on the government. And there were questions asked over why they didn't review building regulations, which the government had actually committed to do quite a few years before, after a fire in 2009 in a tower block in South London, where six people died. Mm. Reporters were chasing Gavin Barwell, who was Theresa May's chief of staff, down Whitehall. His previous job was being a housing minister. And asked him, why didn't you change the rules? Yeah. And he wouldn't answer. And two days after the fire, Brian Martin, the official who had been at the centre of this for 18 years, sent an email or several emails to industry experts to basically kick off a rebuttal operation. He said he had been told to pull together a rebuttal of a story in the Times that had said that the planning system on Grenfell had actually complied with the regulations and he wanted them to back him up saying the opposite, that the rules were okay, basically. But they weren't because he had been warned several times that the rules were unclear and the logical conclusion of that is that if the rules are not clear, then bad things are going to get built and there were bad things being built. But he would just think about his rules and not see the reality of the danger. Even with so many people dead, and yet they're mounting a a rebuttal operation rather than looking at what went wrong. Quite. And he said he was told to do that. And the argument that he made about why the rules didn't allow the cladding is the same argument that the government has stuck to ever since. And even four and a half years after the fire, when the government finally made its submission to the inquiry, he did apologise but it only apologised for insufficient oversight of the regulators. The department is deeply sorry for its past failures in relation to the oversight of the system that regulated safety in the construction and refurbishment of high-rise buildings. It apologises to the bereaved residents and survivors of the fire for such failures. It did not apologise for flawed rules. It still won't admit that the rules were wrong and the rules allowed us. Two weeks ago, the government finally tightened up the rules on flammable cladding systems, almost five years after seeing the devastating damage they could do. It has taken nearly five years, but finally, on the afternoon before the Jubilee weekend, the government quietly announced that it had banned ACM cladding, Grenfell-type cladding, on all flats. They also tightened the rules on other flammable cladding systems on blocks taller than about four or five storeys. But you can still get flammable materials on them if you put them through a large-scale test of the type that we've heard through the inquiry can be still problematic. And I just think on the whole... Until the government admits that the rules were flawed and accepts responsibility for that, we won't be able to move on from the scandal. It created the environment for all of this to go on, and it should take responsibility for that. And those three companies that you talked to us about, that you highlighted, 
who all played a part, really, in what happened at Grenfell. And what's happened to them? Since Grenfell, those three manufacturers have posted collective pre-tax profits of six and a half billion pounds. This is according to documents leaked from the Housing Ministry to the Sunday Times. They have not paid a penny to fix any dangerous homes in the many buildings that are still wrapped in their materials. And they have not paid anything to compensate the victims. And that should change. Do we know how many houses, how many households are still exposed? Hundreds of thousands of people living in blocks of flats with flammable cladding and other fire safety issues say delays in making their homes safe are leaving them thousands of pounds out of pocket. Many fear bankruptcy. This scandal affects about 4.2 million people, which is 8% of the population in England. That's the number of people living in blocks taller than 11 metres that are affected in some way. Of those people, about 640,000 including many children, are still living in flats today that can burn at any moment, that are wrapped in flammable materials. Only 6% of all the dangerous flats have been fixed. That's terrifying. I mean, it could happen again. It could, and it has. It just hasn't happened at one o'clock in the morning. There's been quite a few big fires since Grenfell. Dozens of people had to be rescued from a tower block in East London this morning after a fire broke out and spread over three floors. The flats are partially covered in cladding, similar to the type used at Grenfell Tower. Fire started about a quarter to six this morning here at this high-rise building in Melbourne CBD. Firefighters say that the blaze took hold on a 22nd floor balcony of the building, burning through combustible cladding. The other issue that's come out of this is the market crisis in new-built flats. So the owners of about 1.5 million flats have been unable to sell or switch mortgages because lenders just won't lend on flats if they can't see proof that there's not going to be a huge bill to fix the building, which the flat owners were responsible for. And is the government or are those companies who are responsible for this, are any of them stepping in to pay for this? The government has set aside about £9 billion to fix cladding on buildings taller than 11 metres. And they plan to recoup about £8 of that from house builders. But they have not gotten any money out of the manufacturers yet. Now, the house builders have had a big part in the scandal. Many of the buildings didn't comply with rules. So there's a lot of shoddy building work and house builders rightly should step up. It doesn't sound like anyone has. None of those manufacturers, none of those three companies, not the house builders. Has anyone been held responsible? Has anyone been arrested for this? No one has been arrested. If there will be criminal charges, they will only be brought after the inquiry publishes its final report, which will not be before the end of this year, possibly next year. You've spent the last five years following what's happened. What's it been like covering this story? It is not often that as a journalist you actually get to make a difference. And as a newspaper, we've campaigned on the wider scandal of unsafe homes now for a, for a while. We were the first newspaper to put it on the front page. And it's been really satisfying to see that it has made a difference. The government has changed the law 
partly because of our work. I started out covering this, looking at the wider impact of the scandal on how many other families are caught up living in dangerous homes and with their lives just on hold because they can't move and they can't sell and facing huge bills, some more than their flats. To me, this is this is really one of the biggest scandals of our time. It's been 30 years of bad rules, corrupt companies, and now we have hundreds of thousands of people still with their lives at risk because of it, and 72 people who died, and their families who will never recover. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, senior property writer for The Sunday Times, Martina Lees. You can read Martina's long read on the Grenfell tragedy and the rest of the newspaper's coverage of the anniversary at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer today was Edward Drummond, The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, you can either get in touch with us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk or tweet us, hashtag storiesofourtimes. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.